You are listening to a presentation of Streams Church in Goodyear, Arizona. For more audio and visual content, go to streamschurch.org. And now, Pastor Lloyd Baker. We're going to be reading today from Exodus 20, uh, Ephesians 6, and then Genesis chapter 9, if you'd like to get that ready in your Bible. Uh, we've been talking about the Ten Commandments, so we're going to have a little quiz time. Ready for the quiz time? The Ten Commandments are found in what book of the Bible? Chapter... Versus, it's right up there, okay, people? <laughs> Focus. <laughs> okay, you got it? Okay, now the tough part. Commandment number one is, you shall have no other gods before me, right? Or as we have stated it, I want to be your one and only exclusive God. God had already become their God. God had already delivered them from the bondage of slavery, um, so his first commandment is this, would you just allow me to be your God? Can we have a personal relationship? And it's exciting because God doesn't give his commandments to people that aren't his children. And we need to really understand that. He gives his rules to his children. So he had already delivered them. He had already become their God. And then after that, he said, would you uh, invite me into your life and let me be your personal God? So God's rules are not a condition of God's love. If you came here to think in the day, I better get my act together. I better get right so I can have a relationship with God. You got it backwards. You have a relationship with God. God's rules are a confirmation of God's love. He loves you, so He wants to protect you. He wants to keep you safe, so He gives you His rules. Uh, number two commandment is, don't form any idols or graven images. Don't do that. And we said that was, God's saying, I want to be the Lord of your life. They had spent 400 years in the land praying to multiple deities for multiple problems. So they would take... A God off the shelf during a crisis, pray to that God, get done with that God, put him back up there, and then forget about him until the next crisis came along where they would need that God. And God said, don't you ever treat me that way. I want to be involved in every aspect of your life, in every arena of your life. I want to be the Lord of every decision you make. That's who I am. I'm all-powerful. I'm all-knowing. I don't want to be forgotten. I want to be involved every day. Number three was, do not misuse... The name of our Lord, right? Don't misrepresent God. Don't attach His name with something He wants nothing to do with. Don't leverage His name for your own personal goals. And last week we talked about commandment number four, and that was honoring the Sabbath, right? Or the commandment is take a break. And you guys like that one. And honoring the Sabbath is really an issue of faith. And it's, do you believe that God can make seven days of productivity out of six days of work? And will you honor Him by setting aside one day, uh, it's a no work day, so that you can remember what is really important in your life, relationships and family and God, so that you can rest because He created us as limited beings so that we would be dependent upon each other and upon Him, and so that you can renew your faith. Taking a day off simply says to God, I trust that you're going to take care of my issues. I know there's a big to-do list. I know I've got money I've got to raise. I know a family I have to feed. But I'm going to take one day and I'm going to believe that you can provide for me. It's going to renew my faith. So today we're going to do commandment number five. Everyone here has probably heard at one time or another, commandment number five, yelled across from the other side of the house using your entire legal name. Lloyd Rustin Baker... Listen to me. 
obey me. Anybody ever heard that from their mother or father? My daughter used to hate her middle name because the only time she heard her middle name was in that context. Um, Exodus chapter 20, verse 12 is where we're going to be. Honor your father and mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. What an appropriate commandment for a baby dedication Sunday. We probably should have kept all the children, right? If we'd had a room, kept the children in, especially the youth in, made them sit up front, made them pay attention, and all the parents said, Amen to that. This is... <laughs> we'll take a pause, go get your children. If you think your children need to hear this sermon, go ahead and go get them, bring them back. This is a really interesting commandment. Um, Because think about it, God put this at number five out of ten, right in the middle. Uh, Believing that God doesn't do anything by accident, Moses is speaking to an adult crowd. This isn't Sunday school, and I'm sure their children mix in, but I doubt he gave this commandment so that all the parents could cause could pause and turn to their kids and say, yeah, mm-hmm, listen, mm-hmm, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. You know what I mean? He didn't use it and give it just to be a commandment to whip our children into shape. I think there was a distinct reason why not only God put this here in this place, in this commandment, but He put it here before the relational behavioral commandments. Before you shouldn't kill, before you shouldn't steal, before you shouldn't covet. He put this one there for a purpose. And the reason is powerful Because parental influence will directly affect how you treat other people. How your father treated your mother will affect how you treat your wife. How you dealt with conflict in your family will determine how you deal with conflict in your present family. And your your parents handed you two things that are universal and inescapable. uh, DNA and experience. DNA, you have a cemented disposition towards certain characteristics and physical limitations or manifestations. What is one of the first questions that your doctor will ask you if you're going to the first time to a visit? Tell me about your family history, right? Is there a problem? Is there heart disease there? Is there high cholesterol? Tell me about what's there so I know the issues we need to look for in your life. I've told you before about my uh, uncontrollable, actually it's doing today, shaking shaking chin. Some of you are like, I'll never hear another word he says because I'm looking at his chin the whole time. But don't do that, okay? <laughs> so I'll just, I have this. It's been born from birth. It's nothing I can control. It's just there. It just shakes at its, whenever it wants to. Um, it happens when I'm tired or if I'm nervous. Um, I gave it to my daughter. She has it. And 13 years ago, um, when I searched for my birth father, one of the reasons I searched for my birth father, I was told by a pastor, you, know, you should find your birth father so you can find out if there's any physical defects or anything he's passed down to you or health reasons because you're getting that age when you're going to have to see some of that. So I, I found him. That was part of the reason. And I asked him, Are you have any cholesterol issues? Is there high blood pressure? you have heart issues? One of the reasons. And so my daughter said, ask him about the chin. <laughs> Forget about the heart issues, Dad. We're really concerned about whether I'll hire chin shakes. And so I asked him, I said, does your chin shake uncontrollably? Where you just can't control it, it just comes and goes. And he goes, yeah, 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 yeah. It's a sort of a family trait we have. I found my half-sister. She has it also. 
And so during my daughter's break from PA school, she had a break, she did some research and, and found it. It was actually a study they did, a genetic sort of, I, I, what do you call, I don't know what it is, but anyway, it has a name. In 1999, they just did this whole research and she described the symptoms and it was to a T, exactly what we have growing up. And this is what she said, in 1999, they have only found 23 family trees in the entire world that have this issue. When I recently got sick, they told me that I was one out of 800,000 people that got the strain of type of E. coli that I got. That's six people in all of Phoenix. So apparently, I have the ability to win the genetic lottery. (laughs) I'm a unique individual. We all... (laughs) We all have a genetic disposition, right, that is unique to our situation. We deal with that. We also deal with environmental issues that affect us greatly. As many of you heard, my stepfather was very physically abusive as I was growing up. It was, it was something that drove him. He had some own issues. In fact, it, part of that was the reasoning he took his own life because he can't, couldn't control himself. And several years ago, I was, had been dealing with, for years with severe migraines and I finally found an answer when I went to a psychiatrist. And he said, we found that children of abuse have a form of PTSD. And what happens is your brain chemically alters itself so it can to go into self-preservation mode. Just like a soldier on the front lines, you never know when you're going to be intact. So you live in high alert, high vigilance. You're, sta- you're just ready at any time. So your brain never stops. It's just constantly looking, constantly being aware. So he goes, what happens is your brain crashes itself. To get you to slow down. It can't stay running at that level. When it crashes itself, that's when you experience these severe migraines. Isn't that interesting? It's a chemical reaction in your brain. God created you to protect yourself. So through medication and help, I have just seen just a total decrease in these migraines. It's been a wonderful thing in my life. But what I'm saying is because of the environment that I was raised in, it altered my life for years and decades Literally, physically. So it's foolish for us to think that we have not been greatly affected by parental influence. Our self-esteem, how we treat our spouse, how we treat our children, how we interact with other human beings, our results from our DNA, and our childhood environments. So, for God to put honor your father and mother before how we deal with other human beings is only natural because how you were raised will determine how you behave. How you were raised will determine how you behave. Now here's a really interesting thing. The word honor in uh, Exodus, in its original meaning, literally is, the word is kabod, um, literally means is to be heavy, to have heaviness. So it's in when you honor your father and mother, you give weight to the influence they had in your life. The word was interchangeable for good and for bad. You know, it's like, you know, you're talking to somebody, wow, that was, that was heavy, man. That, that situation that was, was, was heavy. And then somebody enlightens you, you go, whoa, man, that was heavy. See, somebody from the 70s remember that. And uh, so they, they had, it's the same sort of thing. So heavy in the bad sense meant burdensome. Or grievously afflicted. 
That was that that the word honor means that that had a, an effect on me. It was burdensome. It was afflicting. In a good sense, it means it was multiplied in a worthy way. And so when he used the commandment, he says, "Give heaviness to how your parents raised you, your mother and father, honor them." He's talking about giving heaviness. Now, Ephesians chapter six, Paul uses the same phrase, and it's in the Greek language. Verses 1 through 4, he, he quotes his commandment. Children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord, for this is the right thing to do. And here's the word, honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. And if you honor your father and mother, things will go well for you, and you will have a long life on the earth. So he's telling them, you know what, listen. Listen to your parents. Do what they have to say. Obey them. Honor them. And then he goes on to tell the father... Uh, or parents, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. So in other words, don't use this scripture to say, hey, you better do what I say if you want things to go well for you because I brought you into this world and I can take you out. So if you want things to go well and you want to live a long life, you better listen to me right now. Don't use that. Don't provoke your children to anger, parents, by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. Now, the Greek word here, used for honor, is another interesting word. It means to prize or to fix evaluation upon. Hmm. Fix evaluation upon your parents' influence in your life. Let me say it in other words. Children, obey and fix a proper evaluation upon the impact that your parents have had in your life. Because if you're able to to put a proper valuation on the DNA that passed on to you and the environment that you were raised in, there's going to be a couple of things that are happening. Number one, it's going to go well for you. If you can figure this out, if you can put the math together and understand how their influence impacted you and what you should do in response, it's going to go well for you, number one. And number two, you're going to live a long life. Exodus tells us to give weight to it. Ephesians tells us to affix a valuation to it. Don't take their influence lightly. Give weight to their advice. Give weight to this time in your life because it is foolish to think that it will not only affect the quality of your life, but the quantity of your years. Now, I want to show you an example in Scriptures out of the life of Noah. It's found in Genesis chapter 9. This portion of Scripture was not in the latest movie about Noah. In fact, most of the Bible was not in the latest movie of Noah, if you saw it. So just throw that out there when they might as well called it Jeff, because it had nothing to do with the Bible. How many saw that? Yeah, I mean, it's just... Not, not. Genesis nine twenty through 27. After the flood, Noah began to cultivate the ground, and he planted a vineyard. One day, he drank some wine he had made and became drunk, and he laid naked in his tent. Ham, the father of Canaan, saw that his father was naked and went outside and told his brothers. Uh, Noah made a vineyard. Noah drank wine. Noah got toasted, (laughs) stripped down to his birthday suit, and crashed in the tent. And Ham, one of his sons, goes into the tent, sees his father, and goes out and starts poking fun at the old man. He says to his brothers, you got to see dad. I mean, he's annihilated. He's baked. He's blasted. He's bombed. He's boogered. He's cooked. He's buzzed. 
He's crunked, which means crazy drunk. He's dead to the world, drunk as a lord, drunk as a rat, drunk as a skunk. He's embalmed. He's feeling no pain. He's fricasseed fried, gassed. He's had a snootful. He's hammered. He's hosed, eh? For all you Canadians out there. He's howling at the moon. He's illuminated. He's inebriated. He's juiced. He's corkified. <laughs> He's inebriated. Juiced. Kerplunked. He's lacquered, laminated, lamp-faced, lathered, lit up like a Christmas tree. He's mashed, messed up, off the wagon, on a bender, on the sauce. He's pickled, plastered, shellacked, schnockered, chawasted, slammed, stewed, tipsy, under the influence, under the table, well gone, well zonked, and naked as a jaybird. <laughs> you gotta go see dad. <laughs> all right. Thank you. I'll be here all week. Uh, <laughs> He didn't take his father's issue seriously. He didn't give it weight. He made fun of his dad. He didn't try to resolve the issue or the problem. He made light of it. Now listen to what the brothers do. Then Shem and Japheth took a robe, held it over their shoulders, and backed into the tent to cover their father. As they did this, they looked the other way so they would not see him naked. The other two boys took pity on their father. They knew he was a good man. He had a bad moment. And they realized the impact that it would have on the family if he was to be found in this state. So they cover their father's shame. They deal with his situation. They take it seriously. Look what happens in verse 24. When Noah woke up from his stupor, he learned what Ham, his youngest son, had done. Then he cursed Canaan the son of Ham. May Canaan be cursed. May he be the lowest servant to his relatives. Then Noah said, May the Lord, the God of Shem, be blessed. And may Canaan be his servant. May God expand the territory of Japheth. May Japheth share the prosperity of Shem. And may Canaan be his servant. And do you notice who took the brunt of Ham's disrespect? His son Canaan. Noah's grandson. And see, when we don't take seriously, we don't give weight to the situation that's been handed to us, the cycle just repeats. You've seen this, haven't you? People don't deal with what they've been handed. It just goes over and over, and we just see it escalate down uh, the line. In his book, The Father Heart of God, Floyd McClung, who's a good friend and mentor of mine, speaks about seven misconceptions about God that stem from improper childhood situations. He said, many people have a problem with God's authority. They shrink away from a loving, uh, the loving authority of God and His Word because we assume He's going to be like every other abusive authority that we've had in our life. Perhaps you were raised in a family that they didn't deal with the issues. Parents who, in the hope of gaining uh, favor, neglected loving discipline. They become lost as we try to navigate, we feel like we're out on an island, the snares of this world, we have no guidance system for us. And so we have a hard time with the authority of God and how much He loves us and His Word. Trust is another issue. Broken promises from parents. The loss of a parent, you know, through, through divorce or through death or neglected you um, because of just their own life. And you become cynical, uh, become untrusting of anybody that's above you, an unheavenly fa- uh, your heavenly Father. Uh, values, adultery or cheating or lying, 
has destroyed consistent values that can shape you into a godly character. You have a hard time with values because of the values of your parents were incongruent. Affection. The feeling that what you do is more important than who you are. It diminishes your self-esteem. You do not consider yourself worthy of love, so you give yourself over to self-destructive relationships and behavior. And unconditional love is a foreign concept to you. So you have a hard time connecting the affection of the Father towards you. Uh, The presence of God. Parents who were more occupied with getting more things, getting ahead with life, they're obsessed with work and money. So they were never there. Or parents who are unable to recover from a mistake they made and the shame and the guilt, so they disappeared in a corner. And you don't know what it's like to have them in your life. And it's difficult for you to understand that God is always with you, that He's there ever-present all the time. Acceptance. Their goals for you exceeded your ability to perform. Their passion to see you succeed meant they pushed and they pushed and they pushed. It seemed like they were never happy with you. You can never have a win. A communication, which is prayer to God. We have a difficulty with that because we grew up parents that grew weary of each other. So they just simply existed for the sake of the family and they never spoke to one another. The words, I love you, were never spoken. And the greatest mistake we can make is to ignore the developmental factors in your life. They do affect how you interact with your family and how you interact with God. And I don't think you're being disrespectful by assessing the impact that your parents have upon your life. Here's a word to parents from Ephesians 6. Because of that, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Don't give them fuel for these issues. Rather, bring them up with the loving discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. Ham made light of Noah's problem and did not treat it uh, seriously. Because of his mistake, his grandchild, Canaan, suffered from it. And when we do not give proper assessment to the hand that we've been dealt, when we refuse to address the issues from our upbringing, all we do is repeat the cycle over and over and over again. It never changes. And somewhere, somehow, someone has got to break the cycle. Somebody's got to stop the madness. And the only way we can do that is by giving weight, you understand that? To assessing properly, to fixing evaluation upon the hand that we've been dealt. We've got to honor our parents and give weight to the positive examples that have been given us. Some of us have been raised in a phenomenal home. We've been given great tools. We need to honor that. We need to accept that. We need to pass it on to our children. Um, never take it for granted. I experienced um, publicly expressed unconditional love from my mother. It was very publicly expressed. If you know my mom, she was a very affectionate to me. We had one of those relationships where we hugged and, and there was a lot of affection shown. And it gave me the tools to be a very affectionate husband uh, to my wife and to my girls and my daughters. And because of that, they have great self-worth in themselves and they feel loved. And it was something that was handed to me, my mother, that she was able to give to me. And I've, I've lived in that world and I, I appreciate that world and it's something I pass on to my children. I gave weight to her incredible representation of God's affection towards me, His pure love. It changed my life. My stepfather instilled in me impeccable work ethic. It's one of the things he gave me, and I passed it on to my children. 
And it's very evident. So we've honored Him. We've taken that from Him and we've passed it along. We need to also assess the negative impacts of our parents and then we need to decide to get help. And by the way, we have wonderful people that can walk you, help, uh, help walk you through discovery of these things in our church. It, it's a great process we go through. And if you like help in that area, just contact us so the church office will connect with somebody to help you walk through that. We need to embrace the positive and give them weight and assess the negative. And if we can do that, the scripture tells us two things are going to happen. We have two promises if we can give this weight. Number one is things are going to go well for us. If we can figure this out, life will go better for you. If you can embrace all the wonderful things and pass those along, and if you can take a look at, hey, you know what, maybe this needs to change. Maybe this, this caused things. If you can do that, marriages will succeed. Jobs will be promoted. Children will be emotionally healthy. You're going to live a happy life. Things are going to go well for you. And the second thing is you're going to live a, a longer life. Stress is going to be reduced. From a very, just strictly physical standpoint, if you understand the health issues that were handed down to you, we all have certain health issues, and you can be proactive in how you deal with them, you're going to live a longer life, right? If you can start today to look at those things. That's just a, that's just a physical thing. Isn't that wonderful that the Scripture deals with these things? You're going to live a happy life. My stepfather had a strong pride issue. Um... He would not and could not lose. Uh, if he felt dis- disrespected in the slightest way, regardless of intent, all hell broke loose. And I felt the brunt of that. As a child, I responded in a very passive way, trying to gain his respect. Um, when he left, my mother and I, I was an only child at 15 years old, I just did a 180 for some reason. I don't know if I felt like I had to take over that role in the family. And I adopted that same very attitude, uh, the one that I despised. I, I was never going to be disrespected. I wasn't going to lose. And every few months, and some of you heard me tell this story, I would have this reoccurring dream. And it went on for years. And in this dream, my father would be just beating me. And I would be backing up with my hands up. And all of a sudden, as I was backing up, I would look over and I saw a full-length mirror. And it wasn't little Lloyd. It was six-foot-four Lloyd, who was actually bigger than my father. And as soon as I saw that mirror, I turned and I just started going after him. And I said these same words every time, never again. You will never do this to me again. In fact, no one will do this to me. Um, I was willing to go to war with anyone. I didn't bring the violence into my marriage, but I brought the attitude into my marriage. I wasn't going to lose an argument. I didn't bring the violence into my family but I had that same spirit. And I remember one day, my oldest daughter and I going into a verbal war. She was repeating the same attitude that I was displaying. And at that moment, I took it seriously and changed my MO as I saw her respond to me the way I, I learned how to respond. And I remember thinking to myself, I want to see her marriage become successful. So I didn't want her to repeat the same behavioral patterns that were handed down to me. I repented. I received healing. I changed my heart. And I got help from other men. I said, teach me how to be a good father. Teach me how to be a good husband. And I began to lead her down a pathway of healthy interaction. 
I literally said to her, I remember saying this, Honey, if you don't learn how to respond to someone instead of reacting to someone, you're going to have a difficult marriage. And I don't want that for you and your spouse. And so the moment we begin to get into these escalations, I would say, you know what, listen, why don't you go to your room and why don't we both calm down and when we get to a place, you feel like you're comfortable, where you can have an, an honest conversation, a good conversation with me, where we can deal with this issue, let's get together and talk about it. We didn't put it aside. We, didn't, we dealt with it, but we had to get to that place. And sometimes it was 15 minutes and sometimes it was 15 hours. She would come out of her room <laughs> and we work it out. She has the right tools now to be able to deal with her husband in a way that respects each other. Does that make sense? I learned to honor my parents and give weight to the hand that I had been dealt. And God knows something very, very powerful. (laughs) Before we get to all the other commandments and how we deal with each other, we need to give weight to the influences that shaped our life. Because if we don't, then the interactions of the people are going to, it's going to go wrong. It's going to go bad. It's going to go south. I guarantee you that most of the emotional, physical, and spiritual hurdles that you face are a direct result of parental and childhood influences. And the joy you experience in life is because you've embraced the positive heritages that you received. You shall honor, give weight, and value to your mother and father so that it may go well for you and so that you may live a long life. That's how much God loves you that He wants you to know that. Let's pray. Father, we need wisdom. We need insight. We need grace and understanding. We need revelation today. To know and to see and to perceive and to give weight to the influences that have shaped us, especially through our parents. I want to thank you for the wonderful heritage that you passed down to me through my parents. I want to, I want to give that weight. I want to look at that and give that valuation. That it, that it was a great thing that, that they handed down to me. I want to stand on those. Those are the, the, the rocks of who me made me who I am today. But I also want to evaluate too some of the things that maybe have caused me grief and pain in my life and have affected the way that I interact with my family and other people. And I ask you for healing from that. I ask you to give me the tools to overcome that because it stops today. There's some people right now that you need to say it stops today. The cycle is broken today. I will not pass that down to my children and my grandchildren. Through the name of Jesus Christ, through the power of the Holy Spirit, come now and break it, I pray. And then help me seek the right people who can help me navigate that. I pray that, Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, break those chains, those things that just they seem to hold us down. Let us be set free in the name of Jesus Christ to pursue you so that it go well in our life, so that it go well in our family, 
and that we may live a long life. And I pray that in Jesus' name. Man, if if you need that prayer, just say, say amen to that prayer. You've been listening to a message from Streams Church in Goodyear, Arizona. Email any questions to streamschurch at msn.com. The mission of Streams Church is very simple, to lead people into their life calling, a relationship with Jesus Christ that is challenging, growing, and purposeful. For more information about service times, location, or events, go to streamschurch.org.